Please read with me every other screen. I'll read the first screen, you read the second screen, I'll read the third, you read the fourth, as many as are comfortable doing that. Uh, Joshua's farewell, Joshua chapter 23. After a long time had passed and the Lord had given Israel rest from all their enemies around them, Joshua, by then a very old man, summoned all Israel, their elders, leaders, judges, and officials. Remember how I have allotted as an inheritance for your tribes all the land of the nations that remain, the nations I conquered between the Jordan and the Mediterranean Sea in the west. Be very strong. Be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the Law of Moses without turning aside to the right or to the left. But you are to hold fast to the Lord your God, as you have until now. The Lord has driven out before you great and powerful nations. To this day, no one has been able to withstand you. This is God's word. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I turned on my TV to the evening news, saw an old man being interviewed, turning 102 today. Asked him what's the secret to life. He looked up from his old pipe and laughed and said, don't blink. Just like that, you're six years old and you take a nap. You wake up and you're 25 and your high school sweetheart becomes your wife. Don't blink. Your baby's growing, you might, might just miss your baby's growing like mine did, turning into moms and dads. Next thing you know, your better half of 50 years is there in bed and you're praying God takes you instead. Trust me, friend, 100 years goes faster than you think. Don't blink. I was glued to my TV when it looked like he looked at me and said, better start putting first things first. Because when your hourglass runs out of sand, you can't flip it over and start again. Best start, you can't flip it over and start again. Take every breath God gives you for what it's worth. Who sang that? That was a song, I didn't make that up. Who sang that? Kenny Chesney, yeah, Kenny Chesney. 2007, so 10 years ago, but that's still on the radio, right? On many different genres of radio, that country, western, pop, kind of thing is still on the radio. Why? Because it strikes a chord, right? And there's some truth there. Uh, life goes fast. And pay attention. Don't, don't miss where you're at right now and realize that every breath you have is a gift from God and how you live it is important. Wise words from a 102-year-old man. Today, we have a 110-year-old man 
giving us some good godly directives, commands, wisdom, and reminders as we go through life. You see, this man was born a slave. He knew hard labor. He knew what it was to be taken advantage of. He knew what it was to be, to be under someone's thumb. And then he saw God's deliverance. He was there part of the ten plagues, not the last plague, but not the last few plagues, but, but he suffered through a lot of that too. He walked through the Red Sea, like the actual Red Sea, on dry ground right through the middle of it with a water, water wall on the left and a water wall on the right. He followed Moses, and he got into the other side, and all of a sudden he looks back, and the waters recede over the top of Pharaoh. The, the greatest army he had ever known goes over the top of them, and they are washed dead upon the shore. He was elected to be one of the, one of the 12 spies to go in and, and view the promised land and to bring back a report before the, the, the children of Israel would go in and take control of it. And he came back. There was no greater land than this. Huge fortified cities. Uh, just a land flowing with milk and honey, crops that just seemed to spring out of the ground, grape clusters on these vines that were, were mature and just huge and so bounteous and fruitful that it took two men carrying them on a pole to bring them back. He and his buddy Caleb were the only two of the 12 to give a good report and say, no, we can go and do this because God is with us. But the other 10 incited the people to go against God and to doubt him. And so God made clear that to discipline them, they were going to go for 40 years in the wilderness and wander in tents. Not intensely, but in actual tents without, without air mattresses. And, and so he did this. And, and he went uh, through the wilderness. And, and, but he and his buddy, Caleb, were the only two who would actually get to go into the promised land when the time came. Even Moses, great prophet Moses, stood on Mount Nebo overlooking the promised land, but that's only as far as he could go, and the Lord took his life, took him home to heaven. He would not get to go into the promised land. This man that we're talking about got to lead the troops of Israel into the promised land, taking down city after city. 31 kings fell at his hand. God had given them rest in that promised and bounteous land. And he says to himself, now, I am very old, my days are up, or my days are going. Like, they're running away from me. It's, it's coming time. The Lord's going to call me home. What does he have to say? Words maybe just a little bit even wiser than what Kenny Chesney can give us. Listen to Joshua, the successor to Moses, the leader of God's people, as he nears the end of his life, as he knows the end is coming. Joshua chapter 23. You yourselves have seen everything the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake. It was the Lord your God who fought for you. It says, for the love of God, look back. Look back and see how the Lord your God has fought for you. Joshua fought the battle of Joshua fought the battle of and the walls came tumbling down, right? Did Joshua push against the walls? I don't remember. Did, did Joshua, like, throw something against the walls? No. They, they blew trumpets, and they shouted. Now, in my house, if you come through, you might hear the piano playing. If, if you, not necessarily any intelligible things, but, but getting there, thanks to Mrs. Thiesfeld. Um, 
Uh, you might hear a recorder or two, thanks to the, the younger grades teachers at St. Paul's. Um, that was a wonderful gift to give our children right before the summer. Um, you, you, you might hear screams or shouts, but the walls don't come tumbling down. No, God had brought these walls down for his people. Just a miracle, just to prove to them, I'm going to do this for you. That's the first place they stopped, the first king they, they took over, the first kingdom they took over. And then they went out to the next place. And then there were those five Amorite kings who assembled the best and most intimidating warriors with the most fortified cities, and they were, went against the children of Israel. The children of Israel, led by Joshua, went through the night, showed up, and routed them. But most of them fled. And so God hail, threw hailstones down at them so fast and so fierce, so much more fast and larger than the ones that fell in Winthrop a couple weeks ago, but down upon these men and killed more of them than the Israelites had killed. It was in this battle as Joshua and the children of Israel were, were tracking down all these enemies that Joshua asked the Lord to have the sun stand still over the valley. So for an additional 24 hours, the sun stood still. It was, the, it was cool. It was the first time that God had listened to a man. Um, God fought for his people. Remember that. God fought for you. And for the love of God, realize where you are now, Joshua says. Remember how I have allotted as an inheritance for your tribes all the land of the nations that remain, the nations I conquered between the Jordan and the Mediterranean Sea in the west. This amazing land, east to west, north to south. Not only was it a great for, for trade, not only was it, it was, it was an amazing land. I mean, and, and what was cool about it was when they walked into this land and took over it, a lot of the houses were left, well furnished and ready for them to move into. The, the, the crops were ready to be harvested. The grapevines, you know, and those take a lot of time to get right and to get to grow in the right direction and mature them. They were already with grapes on the cluster, ready to be harvested, drank, drank as, as grape juice, but then later as, grape, as wine. This was just an awesome land. And, not to mention, this was going to be in each of their families for as long as they could see. I mean, generation after generation was supposed to hold on to this land. Even, even if through some misfortune you lost the land for a while, every 50th year the land was to be returned to your family because God was tying promises to this land until the promised Messiah would come. 1,400 years later, a baby would be born in Bethlehem, be raised in Nazareth, preach in Capernaum, and, and, and go and walk through Jerusalem and the temple courts and be crucified outside those gates, be laid in a tomb and rise again. This promise was going to come true. All of these things were be going to become fulfilled, but these blessings were given to them right now to enjoy. Think about it. From 400 years, 400 years as slaves, then wandering without air mattresses, in tents. I'm not a tent camper, as you can tell. Um, 40 years, not just four nights. And then they get to go into this beautiful land. And then God gives them rest. Rest from all their enemies. And Joshua says, for the love of God, realize where you are right now and also look at what's coming. Look at, look at what lies before you. The Lord your God himself will push them out for your sake. He will drive them out before you and you will take possession of their land as the Lord your God has promised you. Even the last few remaining bits of nations that remain, God is going to push out before you. Just like he has, the 31 kings. And you are going to be victorious and you are going to have all this land that's allotted to you. Don't doubt it. 
and know that the Lord your God will fight for you. So for the love of God, look back. For the love of God, realize where you are right now. And for the love of God, look forward and see how the Lord fights for you. What battles has God won for you in your life? Sure, the devil likes to make us forget. You know, taint everything and then make everything, you know, have the, the, worst, the bad things loom greater than the, all the good things God has done for us. Sure, sure, our sinful natures would like to sour every sweet morsel that God gives us, whether it's our taste, our experience, or, or just life. And, and in the sinful world that we live in, we'll throw everything before our eyes and say, if, you know, if God really loved you, you'd have this, that, and the other thing. Or if God really loved you, you know, you wouldn't have this thorn in the flesh or this temptation that continually besieges you. But, but let the devil, the world, and our sinful flesh go to hell. And you think about today what God has done for you. What battles God has won for you as an individual, as a family. If you take out your worship folder and there's this sermon card on the first page, question one, or the first side, question one, what are the top five good things you have seen in your life as you look back? You have seen in your life. I give you a moment. Give you a moment. Think about that, whether with pen or pencil um, or just in your mind and heart. Think about a few things that God has done for you or battles God has won for you. Take a moment. Was it easy to come up with some? There are some that stand a lot, out a lot bigger than others, right? But I imagine if, if I were to, to ask you, I'm not going to put you on the spot, but if I were to ask you, some of your stories would bring you to tears, if not some of us to tears. Stories of life after death, stories of, of comfort after confusion, stories of, of overcoming things that were not able for mortal man to overcome. Blessings that that were just unique to, to you. Blessings that, that, you know, sound like family, friends, opportunities in your life, or things, doors that God opened, or things that God gave you at just the right time when you thought all was lost. Or you didn't know how it was going to work out. And, and looming over all of this is just the most amazing thing that something Joshua never got to see. He knew it was coming, but he never got to see it. And we look back on it, that God kept his promises to those people. And there was a baby born in Bethlehem who walked the streets of Nazareth, who preached in Capernaum in Galilee and brought the truth of God's word and, and the gospel again to light so that people knew that they had not just a, a Messiah king but a savior from sin. And on that cross, as the sinless Son of God took upon himself all of our sin, everything that separates us from God, everything that the devil, the world, and, and the, our sinful flesh plagues us with or has brought us down into, everything wrong about us, every piece of guilt we feel, everything and every reason why we think God shouldn't love us or couldn't love us, Jesus took upon himself. And on that cross, the world went dark for hours as Jesus suffered the pangs of hell. And then he hung his head and died. And it was finished. Our sin was paid in full. Jesus wasn't finished, though. He went to the tomb, and maybe the devil thought he had won a victory. 
Maybe sinful natures uh, caused the disciples to doubt. Maybe the sinful world rejoiced a bit, but, but on that third day, Jesus descended into hell to proclaim his victory and to show that with one blow, he had broken all the teeth of death. Death for us still could be a scary thing. Death for us can be, in, in a sense, an uncertain thing of how we're going to die, when we're going to die, something we don't want to go through. But the teeth are gone. Because death can't stop the eternal life that God gives us. Death can't separate us from God's love, his forgiveness, and his mercy. You see, when we die, we go straight to heaven because God has declared us forgiven and washed clean of our sins. Jesus rose from the grave to prove it. He preached in the streets of Jerusalem. He preached in Galilee. He ascended into heaven, and he rules and reigns for us right now, and that is our future. He continues to fight these battles for us. What does Joshua say? Be very strong. Be very careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses without turning aside to the right or to the left. Do not associate with these nations that remain among you. Do not invoke the names of their gods or swear by them. You must not serve them or bow down to them. But you are to hold fast to the Lord your God as you have until now. The devil's always just like, just, just, one, just one step off the path. Just go up on the curb and look over. You know, it's okay for you to let your feet go where they shouldn't go, to let your eyes and your mind go to places that are perverse, to, to let your, your hands take or do things that are not godly or wise, uh, to, to let your mouths take in things that are not good, or, or, or to spew out things that don't build up and are not loving. That's the devil's work. Just, just take a step off the path. For the love of God, cling to Christ. Cling to Christ because difficult times always come, don't they? We live in a sinful world. We have a sinful nature inside of us, right alongside of our new person. A new person wins, but, but right alongside, there's that sinful nature. We live in a sinful world with the devil constantly plaguing us. Cling to Christ. The cool words there are, uh, when you look up the word in your Hebrew dictionary and stuff, because you all have a Hebrew dictionary. It's good. It's online, you can find one. Uh, but one of the first references for other places this word is used to, to cling to the Lord your God is Genesis 2. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. They, they will cling to each other. Just like a husband and wife cling to each other in, in the good times and the bad, so also we need to cling to Christ. Because the, the hard times always come. But realize the Lord your God fights for you. And there is power there. You might think, well, I am weak. I'm a sinner, and I, sometimes I choose the wrong thing. I do the wrong thing. I say the wrong thing. I think the wrong thing. And it's a, just look at the things in my past that I've done. Well, look to him who is strong. Look to him who is holy and perfect, and look to him who is almighty and says, I fight for you. The Lord has driven out before you great and powerful nations. To this day, no one has been able to withstand you. One of you routs a thousand. When did that happen, Lord? But yet one of you routs a thousand, and it has happened, and it will happen, because the Lord your God fights for you just as he promised. So be very careful to love the Lord your God. Look where you are. Look where you are. How the Lord has brought you to this place, this day, all that he has done for you, all the battles he has won for you. And as a good parent brings his child along and, and tells them to do this or that and gives them jobs to do and responsibilities and they might feel stressed or you look and they're struggling, but you, but you help them do it and you make sure it gets done, 
so also God has brought us to this point. And he's let us be a part of it, of these great victories and the greatest victory. And so there are battles yet to fight, but God goes with you and he fights for you. Know that the victory has already been won. Heaven is your home. Your God is your God. And he's a God of love. And so for the love of God, look back. For the love of God, realize where you are. And for the love of God, look forward and realize your God goes with you and he fights for you. You don't have to be 102 to know it. You don't have to be 110. But for the love of God, God's love for you, your love for him, live. Amen.